You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. We all go a little mad sometimes. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be... Welcome to the Carpenter Queens podcast, coming to you live from the TCQ video store, where you can pick up the best and worst in horror for only 69 cents a day. Welcome in, fellow queerdos. I am the star of my own delusion, Raymond. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's my birthday, and I can be high if I want to. My name is Nick. Yes. Hello. Welcome to a very special episode, our lovely listeners. We are doing things a little different here at the store, and we are broadening our scope of films by adding a one-liner extravaganza to our weekly releases. This week's episode, we are celebrating Nick's birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Queen. Even though it technically isn't until the 25th, but we got to celebrate all month long, right? Hi. Now, thank you. Hello. Hi, everybody. Welcome to my birthday bash. We all came dressed up the best we could because, to be honest, girl went drinking last night. Let's just say she had some fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she can't metabolize so, her alcohol like she used to. I know. She's turning a very ripe age of... <laughs> and thankfully... All of our listeners helped us pick this one. I gave everybody like a top four of movies that I was debating and listen, everybody, you don't understand the drama that went behind trying to find this pick, okay? I was messaging Ray almost every week up until like literally, till it was finalized. Okay. Literally, we were going back and forth on Instagram. I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And those, (laughs) the, the scores were, it was very touch and go. They were very like, by like (laughs) minuscule of votes well originally the top four that i had like chiseled down to was death becomes her clue romy michelle's high school reunion and of course today's winner batman and freaking robin i'm so excited i'm so excited i love that this is what eventually got picked and do you know how many messages i was getting of like it needs to be Batman and Robin. There were a few like strong contenders for Romeo and Michelle. And mm-hmm. we discussed that we probably couldn't do Romeo and Michelle because it would literally just be a guy's essentially like a one act play of us sitting here playing all the roles. It'd be a, a dramatic reading of Romeo and Michelle. <laughs> Welcome to TCQ Theater. And now a scene from Romy Michelle's high school reunion. Oh my God, what a total bitch selling your hamburger like that. Oh, I know, like what was that about? You look so good with blonde hair and black roots. It's like not even funny. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm, I'm actually very happy that we went with this week's movie. Before we get to this week's movie, we would love for you all to leave a comment and rate the podcast. If you love what you hear, hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you are streaming. Please, it's my birthday. That would be a wonderful birthday gift. Just rate the pod five stars. Give us a comment. Say, oh, I love the soothing sounds of screeching homosexuals. (laughs) (laughs) Screeching? I never. (laughs) In order to celebrate Nick's birthday, we are heading down to Gotham City to talk about a film that single-handedly created an entire queer generation. Queerdos, we are discussing the bonkers and the campy, the queer, 1997's Batman and Robin. Woo! And now, our feature presentation. 
Listeners, once again, the crime-fighting duo is available to stream on our favorite streaming app, (laughs) HBO Max. Bitch, they have the entire collection. I love Batman. And I love the fact that that this is, all of it is available to stream for HBO Max. Let's talk about Mm -hmm. it when we head on over to... 420, what you smoking? What did you smoke with this week's wonderful BAM! Punch! Wow! <laughs> it might as well be. So, both of us have not very mixed feelings, but we have very strong feelings about this film, as much does our entire queer generation. <laughs> um, so, I needed something that was gonna keep, not keep me up and perky, but I wanted to be up. And for the enjoyment and the action that is this film. So I went with a good sativa. I picked up from local grower, Canada Grow. Ding! And um, most, they usually only like have uh, indica strains, um, but they have um, quite a few hybrids which are sativa dominant. So I got their sativa dominant glitter apple, and she was. Soy delicious. Um, glitter apple? Glitter apple. How queer and fitting for today's film. How is the high? The high is great. It's It just felt me like, like sitting on a fluffy cloud while enjoying this action-packed gay adventure that we're about to go on. That's so funny. Um, this week, I smoked glitter butt plug. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got the new Batman butt plug. Might as well be. We're going to talk about the amount of ridiculous bat products. There's a whole whole product line. In all honesty, what I did smoke this week was some poison ivy stash. I smoked... Yes. um, Oh, you know what I smoked? (laughs) It is that lovely... I hate you. (laughs) What I smoked was that lovely, like, you know when you have a bunch of strains that you keep in one one jar and the remnants of all of them are still at the bottom of that jar? Mm, Essentially, like the shake... Everybody, that stuff at the bottom is my favorite. It's like all the good seasonings left off of all of your bud. So it's just like a wallop wallop of everything you've smoked. It's like when you get those good seasoned fries from the drive-thru and it's all the the salt and seasoning at the bottom. So you Mm. you make sure you dip all those fries and you shake it up Mm -hmm. and get all that good salty bits. That's what Mm. that is. Yeah, you're making me hungry. But that's exactly what I smoked. And that's exactly what you should do when watching this movie. Everybody, we talked about it in our last episode with Sergio and Cody. Hi, boys. At the horror band. So much fun. So much fun. I hope y'all are enjoying uh well i've been saying this week's episode the last week's episode of uh what did we call for black, black Xmas. Xmas. wow <laughs> ah, i'm sorry it's just because we had so much fun in all honesty i hope y'all enjoy as much we did because i had a blast oh absolutely freaking lootly thank you so much for being over but what we discussed in last week's episode for black xmas was that it's great when you drink and have a great time and smoke with friends and that is exactly what this bonkers of a movie is this is our very first superhero non-horror movie we've ever Mm -hmm. done i don't know if we'll ever do it again how did you come in contact how do you feel about the batman franchise and this one in specific anybody who knows me well knows that i don't tend to steer like i stay clear of superhero movies they're not really my shtick there are very few superhero movies i enjoy Batman is one of them. I f***ing love Batman. 
up until like Ben Affleck. I didn't watch those ones, <laughs> but I love um, Batman one with the Joker. Mm -hmm. I love Batman Returns, Tim Burton. I mean, technically he did the first one too, but Batman Forever is what sticks out of my head. Or The Return, sorry. For me, it is the stronger of the two. It is one of the instances where the sequel is superior than the first one. Amazing. Selena Kyle, hello. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's not even. Meow. So I enjoy essentially the entire Batman franchise. And this one, I hold near and dear to my heart. This one and the one prior, which was Batman Forever, correct? I enjoy, I hold these two specifically near and dear to my heart um they're so campy and mm -hmm. over the top and mm -hmm. extravagant very... yes bitch oh my god we'll get into the sets and the production design but oh my god so i went to go see this in movie theaters did you remember... really yes i remember that much i want to say my sister monica took me and probably mm -hmm. like david to go see it because i remember seeing this in movie theaters i don't know i don't remember who took me but somebody took me um, because I remember, I, I remember seeing Batman and Robin's ass, Ugh. like latex ass on that movie screen. Can you imagine? That was like a 40 foot ass. That was Chris O'Donnell's ass blasted into my face. How could I not come out queer God out of that movie? Ah! <laughs> so obviously you hold this movie near and dear to your heart because it was on your list of birthday picks. So what is your first introduction to this movie? This movie is my first Batman movie that I can recollect. I am a big nerd. If that isn't, that has not <laughs> been found out. <laughs> One of my multiple interests within the nerddoms is the comic book series that is Batman. So I'm gonna actually point out a lot of fallacies and things that are incorrect in this movie. Cause I don't like what oh. they did to my boy Bane in this movie. Oh, but I know. We'll get know. to that in a, we'll get to that in a little bit. This movie was my first introduction and I couldn't tell you the amount of times I watched this movie. I mm -hmm. wore the tape out. I remember having to purchase another VHS because I watched it <laughs> so much. The like tape had ripped by that point because he kept rewinding the part with the ass. It's the ass, it's the <laughs> nipples, it's the chest, it's Chris O'Donnell. It's everything. Everything about this movie is extravagant, over the top, campy, ridiculous. It's queer, bitch. It's, it's queer. It's everything that queers love. It's one-liners. There's female villains. Reveals. Reveals. Costumes. Lighting. Songs. Smokes. Latex. Bondage. There's a musical number. There's a gorilla strip tease. There's a dead woman floating in a tank. It's got it all. <laughs> Listeners, honestly, this week's episode is just going to be us. I Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold the phone. Stop the bat phone. Hold the bat phone. <laughs> I am blatantly aware of how bad this movie is. This oh, movie yes. is on multiple worst movies of all time, mm -hmm. worst superhero movie of all time. I am fully aware but I have to state in its extravagance and the fumbling that happened with this movie, it created, honestly, the definition of camp. Like this is, this is camp, honey. Okay. Hold on really quick though. So fun fact slash embarrassing fact about myself. I didn't find out that this movie was bad until I got to film school as an adult. 
because I enjoy this movie fully enjoy mm-hmm. this movie. I didn't realize it was bad until I got to film school. And literally, maybe I wanted to see my first week there when we were talking about, I don't, I don't know how we got on the subject and they were ripping this movie apart and Joel Schumacher apart and what he did to Batman's suit and the franchise in general. And I was like, my Batman, my, mine, excuse me, my, one of my faves, it's terrible. And then when I went back and looked at it afterward, I was like, all right, it's bad, but I enjoy it. What I think it is, is that it's, it's like the covenant. They wanted to be so straight. They loop back to gay. It's so bad. It loops back to just this ridiculous fun ride. This movie is blatantly aimed at children. And we'll talk about why that messed this movie up. But what comes out of it is a hypersexual yeah. movie about family, trusting one another, trusting yourself, and being gay as fuck. <laughs> this movie is so gay. And you know what? Silence. It's time to start my birthday pick. <laughs> Let's check out this VHS's special features and find out how this movie was made. Batman and Robin was released June 20th, 1997. It has a ridiculous runtime of two hours and five minutes. Mm. It is also rated PG-13, and I think it's all from the ass and nipples to be very, very Those serious. nipples alone got them a PG-13 rating. Back to the runtime really quick because we touched on that when you wanted to put it on the list. And I was like, Jackie. Mm-hmm. It was part of the reason why I almost didn't make it. Yeah. But then I thought about it and I was like, but it didn't feel like it. And it kind of still doesn't. And and even if it is a two-hour movie, it still was enough to keep the attention span of kids. Mm-hmm. Because we thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And maybe it's for a different reason, but we sat through it for two hours. I, it's, I think it's because it goes from set piece to set piece to set piece. This movie is expensive and you can very oh, much yes. see that. And uh-huh. you can see where it went. There's no substance in the script, okay? Everybody, no. don't come here looking for secret like This is all style. And, and this is all style. And we're a sucker for style. And kids are sucker for style. Like this movie mm-hmm. is like a candy colored action packed Saturday morning cartoon. That's yeah. exactly what this is. But before we go any further, because there's a lot to unpack here, let's move on to our taglines. Strength now, courage always, family above all, Batman and Robin, heroes, villains, triple threat, strength, courage, honor and loyalty on june 20th it all comes together these are... i don't really like any of these i don't think you need a tagline because this movie besides the fact that it is a batman movie hello you also have really big freaking stars from the 90s huge names huge huge With a huge director at this time, Joel Schumacher was well-established by this time for movies Mm -hmm. like The Client. Uh, He was just making It's Time to Kill. He made Lost Boys. Hello! So he's Mm. very well-established. So honestly, with just all of the names that you put on this, I don't think you need a tagline. Welcoming back Joe Schumacher for the second time to grace our story yet again, because he graced our screens with The Lost Boys previously, which was another one of your picks. Yes, it was. I guess I'm secretly a Joel Schumacher stan. I didn't know. Not secretly anymore, bitch. You've been exposed. Written by Akiva Goldman, who would also write heavyweight films like The Client, 
practical magic, a beautiful mind, I robot and I am legend. Those are uh, blockbuster movies. Yes, they are. Now to get ready for our star studded cast of the freaking nineties. We have the governor himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze, AKA Dr. Victor Freeze, George Clooney as Batman or AKA Bruce Wayne, Chris O'Donnell. Thank you. Thank you, Chris O'Donnell. I'll get to you in a minute, but I just need to thank you now as Robin or Dick Grayson, which by the way, I'm going to stop really quick. I'm going to stop a lot because comic book nerd needs to come out. Dick Grayson is my favorite character in the Batman timeline. He later becomes Nightwing, which is one of my favorite superheroes of all time. Besides the fact that he kicks ass, he's also in a black skin tight suit and honey, the front and the back are always the best. Moving on. Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, a.k.a. Dr. Pamela Isley. Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl, a.k.a. Barbara Wilson. Michael Goh as Alfred Pennyworth. We have Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon. John Glover as Dr. Jason Woodrow. Ella McPherson as Julie Madison. Vivica A. Fox, randomly, as Miss Behaven. <laughs> Elizabeth Sanders as Gossip Gertie. Jeep Munson as Bane. This is a star-studded cast Mm -hmm. we have arnold schwarzenegger george clooney chris o'donnell uma thurman alicia silverstone vivica a fox those are for me the top names like you couldn't escape arnold schwarzenegger this was 97 he was still very hot he was still very terminator and big action movies george clooney who was still technically doing er at the time this would be his jump into movies would be being Batman. And we'll talk about the interesting side stuff that would yeah. happen with this Batman casting. Uma Thurman, super amazing at the, I am, say it now, say it loud and proud. Uma Thurman, MVP for this movie. Hands down, Absolutely easy. Absolutely, 100% agree. She's the MVP queen of this movie. Moving on to review. <laughs> IMDb, give it a 3.8 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I just read that out loud. Hold I just read that out loud for the first time. <laughs> I just saw the Metacritic She can't review. look at it. She can't look at the... <laughs> Metacritic, give it a 28 out of 100. And Rotten Tomatoes, oh my God. It got a 12% on the tomato meter and 16% audience score. Holy shit. I just have to reiterate, this one, this one in the polls, like look at these scores and people wanted this movie. This this proves that this is a, a cult classic. Absolutely. freaking By no means do people like do like DC fans and actual Batman fans, they don't recognize this movie. No. They don't talk about this hey, movie. Hey, hey. This movie doesn't exist. I'm raising my hand. I have to speak. I am a big Batman fan, not DC fan. I will. I'm a Marvel girl through and through. Okay, but the, the Batman series is fantastic, and I can see why this has these scores. I can absolutely see why, especially after the hot shit that was Batman Forever in 1995 that uh, broke records. Hello, Kiss the song. The song. Thank you. <laughs> We both this was one of the few times this was like well the first one of the few times that i can remember where we had like 
a, a song tie-in with the movie that I can remember from my childhood that's mm-hmm. memorable for me was Kiss by a Rose by Seal, bitch. In the rain. Get my little, what, how old was I? Like six, seven, was getting my zhuzh, girl. <laughs> Wishing she was with Val Kilmer. I don't know. We, we, we'll talk about the Batman choices and casting because as much as I love these Batman movies, Watching it for the pod, to, like, this time around, oh, my God, was George Clooney an awful choice for dad. Batman. Total dad. We'll talk. Flat. Like, it's not the vibe. Stop! For our production, we have a budget of an estimated, y'all, it is a whopping $125 million. It's evident. It's everywhere. It's in the miniatures. It's in the mm-hmm. vehicles. It's in the costuming. It's there. I can't argue with it. I agree a thousand percent. I see where all the money went. And everything's practical, bitch, for the most part. There might be some, there might be something. There, there's a lot, Jackie. Oh, there is a lot. Actually, I take that back. There's a lot. Um, but a lot of it's practical. And a lot of it is these very extravagant sets. Holy shit, are these sets extravagant. And I am a sucker for sets and practical effects and costumes and this is just, this is why we're queer. This is why we're queer. Honestly, honestly. At any point in this movie, there is something to look at. Mm-hmm. Any point in this movie, I guarantee it. Box office. We have an opening weekend of 42 million and a gross worldwide income of 238 million. million. Jesus. This movie did make a lot of money. And I, we're also going to talk about the merchandising that this movie made. However, this movie is dragged through the mud for being the worst in the Batman series. Which mm-hmm. is, like, it, yeah, sure. Take away the fun. Why don't you? <laughs> you don't suck suck the fun out of everything. <laughs> but that is quite the box. That is quite the opening. 42 million and you well made over your money. But I'm sure that was from people not knowing what they were getting themselves into. <laughs> people did not know what they were in store for because the success of Batman Forever in 1995 could not be ignored by Warner Brothers. They rehired Joel Schumacher and Akiva Goldman to reprise their duties almost immediately after the release of Forever. They wanted to capitalize off of the success and Warner Brothers would push for a two-year turnaround, which is ridiculous because by the time that the movie came out and all the press had been done, they immediately started moving into the next movie, which kind of shows in the structure of this movie a lot. Most production companies do when they see that something worked and is making the money and the people love, yeah. they're always hot to make the sequel, regardless of how good the sequel is. We've seen this multiple times on our pod, considering we like to jump around in timelines. And that's what I want to emphasize, though, is like this movie, the first Batman and Batman Forever was hot. I mean, hello, Tommy Lee Jones, Nicole Kidman, Val Kemler, D- Jim Carrey. These were hot names doing a big freaking movie that a lot of people actually kind of disregarded and didn't think would do well. They didn't Mm -hmm. think that movie would have the success. A lot of people didn't back it and a lot of advertisements didn't back it because they were worried about it. So when this movie got greenlit, all the money went straight to this, but they immediately wanted to change things. And that is where this movie got fucked up. A change in tone would occur from the other films. Tim Burton's iterations would be darker and brooding. Forever would take a more serious and dramatic tone while this film ran into some problems. Schumacher and Goldman would pull from the animated series. On top of this, the studio would push for a more family-friendly oriented take and a huge push for the phrase called toy- toyetic? Mm-hmm. 
that's not a word. <laughs> no, but this is the exact word that they used when describing this. So all of the behind the scenes stuff that I viewed up on it, the immediate jump and literal use of this movie was to sell toys. And this is evident by Chris O'Donnell comparing the filming of both the films from Forever to Robin. He stated, quote, In the first film, things felt much sharper and more focused. It felt like everything got a little softer on the second one. The first one, I felt like I was making a movie. The second one, I felt like I was making a toy commercial. Because the studio would bring in toy companies for pre-production on this film. So everything would be geared towards selling something. The costumes, the weapons, the vehicles would all be made to sell products. The toy companies would help mold these new styles in order to create toys quick enough to sell them when this movie was released. And you can tell in a lot of these designs. Not only from the designs, you can tell from just living through it, bitch. I remember seeing commercials and toys on the shelves at like Toys R Us and Walmart and Target. Like this movie was heavily advertised and mm -hmm. shoved down people's throats. I remember that. I, that's what kills it because it gets shoved down your throat. And so people are like, fine, just show me the fucking movie. I like the first one. And then when you see this movie, you're like, what is this? What is, <laughs> what is this? For casting, Schumacher had difficulty casting for his first Batman film. However, after the booming success, he was bombarded by stars of Hollywood wanting to join in on the fun. Anthony Hopkins and Patrick Stewart were considered for Mr. Freeze. Julia Roberts, Demi Moore, and Sharon Stone were also considered for Poison Ivy. While casting the villains was fun, Val Kilmer originally intended to come back to portray Bruce Wayne. But last minute and extremely close to filming, he dropped out and Schumacher had to scramble to recast. It eventually went to George Clooney. Production would work around his schedule and only film Friday through Mondays due to him filming ER at the time from Tuesday to Wednesday. He would work seven days a week for almost a full year. Jesus, that's exhausting. George Clooney worked a lot during this time period and you can tell in this performance. <laughs> yes, okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because Richard and I watched this together and both of, I are very, both of us are very fond of this movie. Um, we watched it this time around. We're just, I was, I brought it up first. And I was like, why is George Clooney delivering his lines like this? He's so flat and like blase about it. It's flat. Yeah, honestly, what it feels like in my notes, I put, why is George, why does it feel like George Clooney showed up to set and this is like a, a test screening with him with the mask on and he's just like running through lines? just running lines he's just running lines that's it like i don't understand it's an odd is it a choice or is it <laughs> i see i i don't know considering now that i know that he was filming er at the time and he was working seven days a week honestly he might have just been exhausted but bitch it comes across as flat and then because there's points where there's like sarcasm in the lines like it just comes across as bitchy at times <laughs> so just like why is Batman so catty? I think what it is, is that this movie is filled with nothing but one-liners. It is one-liner after one-liner after monologue. George Clooney doesn't, I think he just doesn't know how to deliver these as Batman. I don't yes. think that George Clooney couldn't deliver the lines. I think it's just, at this point, this is our fourth Batman. This is our fourth Batman. And mm -hmm. how do you deliver a new one? How do you, how do you freshen it up? Yeah, well, well, I think what also didn't help him was the fact that Uma 
and Arnold went so over the top and campy with it and delivered their lines as they should have that they ate up the screen, honey. It ate the screen and it made George Clooney's performance look even more flat than it was because they fully went for it, bitch. And I live. I'm glad that you brought this up only because to be honest, this is the Batman movie where I don't care about Batman. I don't like this yeah. version of Batman. I'm here no. for Uma. I'm here for Arnold. I'm here for Chris. I'm here for Alicia. I'm even here for Alfred because I have some things to say about how they treat this poor man. True. True, true, true. I'll give you Alfred. I could do without Alicia. I didn't feel like we needed a Batgirl. She was totally tacked on at the end as like a gag. In the 11th in the hour. Yeah. Yes. So, I totally understand that. As an adult, I see that now. As a child, I lived. I was like, oh, Batgirl. But as an adult, now I was like, she was in the last 10 minutes of the movie as Batgirl. I understand that. I feel like if she was more developed and like brought into the story, if it wasn't towards the last hour, honestly, her storyline has nothing to do with anybody until the nothing, end. nothing, nothing. If she was more included, it could, it probably would have been better. I'll talk about her in a minute because I have very strong feelings about Batgirl, about Batgirl. but I do want to mention Anthony Hopkins and Patrick Stewart as Mr. Freeze. I would have gagged girl. Imagine Patrick Stewart doing the, it would have been a totally different movie if these queens came on. Imagine Anthony Hopkins. Chill. <laughs> For principal photography, it started on September 12th, 1996 and would finish filming in late January of 97. It was primarily shot on the Warner Brothers Studios lot in Burbank, California, which we wonderfully visited. And I have to say, this is a big tangent. I took Ray for your 30th. 30th birthday to Warner Brothers. We got the really cool uh, VIP tour. And we have mm -hmm. praised the graces of that tour, I think twice on this show. Mm -hmm. There is a section where you get to see all of the Bat cars from oh. a good majority of all of the movies, including the Batman Begins series, and even mm -hmm. Joker's new car from Suicide Squad. But when we saw the memorabilia and oh, all yes. of the props from Batman and Robin, we were the only ones in that area. Oh. We were the only ones going, oh my God, look, it's the knife that she, oh my God, it's Mr. Freeman. <laughs> we were totally geeking out over the Batman and Robin props and everybody else was like at the Dark Knight stuff or the Batman new Forever Suicide or Squad whatever. Stuff. Yeah. Um, we were over here looking at like Uma Thurman's compact or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Freeze's gun. They had really dope props in there. Back to our regularly scheduled broadcast. Apparently, Schwarzenegger was paid 25 million for this role. Excuse me? To prepare for the role, he would wear a bald cap after declining to shave his head and wore a blue LED thing in his mouth. It would also take six hours to apply his prosthetics, makeup, and wardrobe. But because it was so extensive, he actually never really wore the full suit. Chris O'Donnell what? has famously stated he never shot a single scene with Schwarzenegger. It was so extensive and time consuming to film a full body Mr. Freeze that most of the shots with Robin or any other character with Freeze, it was all his body was from a body double. They only ever did close up shots of Schwarzenegger. So why did he get paid 25 million to just do close up? I don't understand. Whoa, I did not know any of this. It's why he gets top billing. I forget that at this time, Schwarzenegger was huge hot baby hot sizzling hot no mm -hmm. ma'am what a pillow queen just like doing close-ups and just mm -mm. and then and then complain i'm sure he complained about well obviously he complained about not wanting to shave his head i guess i wouldn't want to either and the bald cap it doesn't look bad it's actually mm -hmm. really good makeup 
It's because the blue makeup has that glitter effect that it hides any lines. Which was smart. Mm -hmm. uh, kudos to the makeup artists. That's shitty. That's mm -hmm. shitty. And I have nothing else to say on the matter. <laughs> the biggest component and audience contention is the infamous bat nipples. We have mentioned the bat nipples maybe three times on this show. We've talked about Batman and Robin a good handful of times on this show. This is this is probably why we're all here. We're here for this. We're here for some good old nipple action. Mm. And according to Schumacher, they were modeled after Greek depictions of gods. Thus, the nipples were implemented. The molds were also created for the chest and cod pieces were the same exact ones for both Robin and Batman, which is why Robin's chest and body look a little bit more built and bigger, even though he's a smaller size, because they were the same exact mold. But because the molds were the same, the media had a frenzied heyday with Chris O'Donnell's giant package. And apparently, rumor has it, George Clooney found this hilarious and told Schumacher to tell the media that they had to stretch out his own suit to accommodate Clooney's size. <laughs> so the, the nipples were a choice. I mean, I understand. I the love the choice. Works. I don't care what anyone says about it. I don't think it's a bad thing. Obviously, this was part of our sexual awakening. So obviously, we we have no matter with it. But I, whatever. It is what it is. Like, it if you're upset with putting nipples on the bat suit, you are definitely not going to like the route the rest of this movie takes because this nope. is in, like you said, within the first 30 seconds, you see these bat nipples. So you should have just get up and walked out if you were offended at that point. But what I find so fascinating about it and why I'm kind of happy that it happened, besides the fact that it's super gay and really hot. I'm not going to lie, it's really hot. <laughs> what it also showcases is that superheroes are innately sexual like they are like depicted as like greek gods with perfect bodies and mm -hmm. how they're the perfect specimens and just showcasing the nipples immediately made people uncomfortable but this is how we have depicted superheroes forever if yeah. i open any comic book with any female character out there it is ridiculous her tiny tiny waist and her, her bo bosoms just oh my oh i can't keep them oh Oh my god, I can't keep them in my suit. My nipples are just This so one big. is bigger <laughs> than this one. And this one is nice to this one. <laughs> and now that it's on an atomically correct male, everybody freaks out. Because that's what we do to the female characters. And now that we're doing it to the male characters, it's gay. Duh. And I love it. Hello, love Joel it. Schumacher. Do you not see who's at the f***ing elms of this sleigh ride? What the f***? But we talked about that with the Lost Boys and how because Schumacher took over the reins and was our director, it just it's innately queer in its presentation. And that is mm -hmm. exactly what happens with this movie. And finally, John Glover, who played Dr. Jason Woodrow, stated that Schumacher would quote, would sit on a crane with a megaphone and yell before each take. Remember, everyone, this is a cartoon, which definitely showcases in the film. For sure. Which I think people get lost on. They don't want it to be like the cartoons. Yeah, because immediately, whether I got this as a child or not, I get it as an adult that he, Joel Schumacher took a lot of inspiration from mm -hmm. the cartoon, the comics. Um, and, oh my God, what's his name? Adam West's performance as Batman. Mm -hmm. It's so campy and... Mm -hmm. 
I just I like if I don't understand what you're not what's not clicking what's not clicking what's not clicking you're not clear with Batman's history you're not getting the can value of this but I I understand why so many fans don't like this because it they don't want that from a Batman movie not only that but it was too much camp bitch there was so much camp the one-liners I think it was the one-liners that probably the one-liners and the nipples were probably like it's it's all of it it's all of it it's the one-liners it's the extravagance it's the lighting it's the inherent cool weirdness of this movie this is so heavily queer coded it's not even queer coded anymore it's queer text like it's written on the screen for you and that's why i think why people don't like it i don't understand when people state like i don't like when this iteration went to in a different way and i feel like batman is a perfect example of we can have any style of batman in any sort of universe we had tim burton's we have the new batman begins which took more of like a serious tone we're about to get a rob pattinson one which feels like a merging of the batman begins and tim burton it feels super dark and stylistic and i'm super excited to watch it this one just wanted to take a whole different route and because of that people are like no no this is not my batman It is what it is. I mean, you know, take it or leave it. It is what it is. Because I also don't enjoy some of the iterations of Batman. Like, we stated, I don't enjoy Ben Affleck's Batman. I haven't no. seen it, and I don't want to see it. So, you know what? Let's get ready. Let's suit up, get in the Batmobile, and we'll be right back after these ads. Oh, my nipples don't fit in the suit. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll be right back after these messages. Our movie opens with a frozen over Batman logo, which then bursts to show some opening credits of our core cast and a major title card. We then get close-up shots of Batman and Robin suiting up for the night in West Hollywood. I I mean, uh, Gotham. We see (laughs) gloves, utility belts, bulges, butts, and quite possibly Joel Schumacher's greatest addition to the Batman franchise, nipples on the Batsuit. We are now in, hold on, I want to talk. I need to immediately stop, stop. You have been stopped. So from the freaking jump, the WB sign, I love when movies mess with the, their logos. Mm-hmm. We talked about it with Scott Pilgrim that does like the pixels format. We, they I did love. it with it and the red balloon. When the WB sign turns into the frozen bat signal and then the music swells. If you're going to say anything about this movie, you cannot deny the fact that this music by Elliot Goldenthal. Epic, bitch. I used to go off. <laughs> off when this music used to come up. When this music used to come up, I was like, I am the bat. I am Robin. I am the only one. I love, I love this opening title sequence, which must have sucked for a lot of people because I'm sure they were like, yeah, f- yeah, this Batman movie's about to start. And then that <laughs> ass. Badass. It's a, it's time to suit up for the night, honey. They are going for West Hollywood. This is queer liberation. This is what that is. They were getting ready for fetish night at the Abbey. We can't not talk about it. It's so homoerotic and grand. It's camp. Mm-hmm. It's beyond all of those things. It's so fascinating to see, like, who let this WB let this through? Yeah, they did. I don't think they, well, yeah, they did. I was going to say, I don't think they realized, but they would have seen the final cut. 
do you think it, it was kind of like you, you can't tell the gay guy that like that's too gay like you can't we can't They're like we can't see that we can't we can't say, you can't say that you can't say that it's too fucking gay we got to keep it in now <laughs> you mentioned seeing this ass on a 40 foot screen mm. i have to state these are wonderful to look at the butts are fantastic you know what it is for me though is robin's little jump into yes his- it's so good and then you just see the cape like like uh, a curtain and the show this uh, we've talked about our sexual awakenings a lot this is to, to, this is honestly the moment that i knew that i was gay like to be 100 this is the moment where i was like men and then it didn't stop it didn't stop <laughs> it got worse it got worse <laughs> i had the biggest crush on chris o'donnell mm. i still do in this movie do you know how many times in this movie multiple times i caught myself just like oh like dro- uh, drooling drooling you know what part it was for me was the rubber lips i knew when it he, when he peeled off the rubber lips and i saw those the thin sheen. little pink white man lips oh my i was just like uh, 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 uh. it's all of it it's like it's the bodysuit, it's the nipples, it is the bulge, it is the butt. Because this isn't the only time we're going to get butt shots of these of our superheroes. We get a ridiculous amount of butt shots in, of mm-hmm. these superheroes. And it's fascinating. Fascinating. This is the most sexual I've ever seen, like, a superhero in, like, the public domain. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Because I, I was thinking of um, Anne Hathaway's portrayal of Selena Kyle, because her cat suit was very, like, form-fitting and tight on her as well. So was Michelle Pfeiffer's it okay, let me let me rephrase that. <laughs> it is the most sexual we've seen of quote unquote male characters of superheroes in yes. this public domain. And I'm here for it. I'm so I want more of it. I want to see Henry Cavivel Superman full hairy chest out. I want to see yes. it all. give yes, me please. more of Hugh Jackman's ass. We deserve it. I don't like any of those movies, but I will watch. Superman, if Henry decides to show his ass. Thank you. See? Thank you. This Thank is you for coming need. to my TED Talk. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Moving on, because I'm going to keep talking about their asses. We are now in the cave with Batman and Robin as the Batmobile makes its ascent from the garage. The two vigilantes exchange quips and head out to battle a new villain, Gotham, going by the name Mr. Freeze. We cut to the Gotham Natural History Museum, where Freeze has turned the museum into an Arctic cooler. Just when he's claimed his prize, a grapefruit-sized diamond, the masked heroes burst in to save the day. After knocking the diamond from Freeze's hands, the pair must now fight his goons to keep the diamond out of his hands. Of course, their suits are equipped with boots that turn into ice skates with a click-clack. The two skate around the museum, taking down the hockey team from hell. After an impressive back and forth, Freeze makes an even more impressive exit in his car slash rocket ship with diamond in hand. Batman manages to fall into Freeze's trap and just as a random ship takes off, Robin hops on the ledge as well. (sighs) It's just as quite the opening. Isn't it? So Batman and Robin head into the cave. They're ready to head out for the night. <laughs> they have this little quip that I love as the Batmobile is making its ascent from like the sub garage, I guess. Or Robin says, I want a car. Chicks dig the car. This is why Superman works alone. And then and then they get in the cars and they go, George, I, I oversold that line. George Clooney's delivery is like, and this is why Superman works alone. And then literally, they go, <laughs> then they literally. Is I also love the don't wait up, Al. I'll cancel the pizzas, sir. And then they go. 
<laughs> this okay. If the opening <laughs> sequence with the bat suits didn't tip you off of what kind of movie you're in for, this should have tipped you off of what kind of movie you're in for. I fully agree because I f- immediately this movie feels like a cartoon. It is a cartoon. You were watching a. This is what Disney wishes they could do with their live action cartoons. <laughs> this is a cartoon. We have to talk about Arnold. The we have to talk about the big governor in the room. How do you like Arnold as Mr. Freeze? I I feel like their their casting of Arnold was purely gimmicky for the big name and for him being a big action star. And they were like, yeah, it'll translate to him being a big villain. And it doesn't. Really? Um, I don't think so. Aside from like his size, mm-hmm. I don't find him all that scary. I do, however, because, you know, he's made the role what it is for me and his delivery of these puns and everything. Like, I don't really, like, I I can't see anybody else playing it, so I can't yeah. choose somebody who I think would play it better. Yeah. But uh, it was a choice. <laughs> it is a choice. I have to state, though, the biggest great choice with this this version of uh, Mr. Freeze, this suit is so Oh yes. Sick. It is so sick. There's the chrome, the LEDs, the blue light on his head. He's got LEDs in his friggin' mouth, bro. I mm. do agree when you say that this is a stunt casting. We got Arnold because he's a huge name. And I think what he brings to this version of Mr. Freeze is interesting, but I think it's serviceable. He's clearly an action star doing what he came here to get paid for. And bitch, did he get paid for it? And bitch, did he get paid for it? I also love this museum set. When we talked about the, Ooh. it's overload. Because first of the ice that is in this museum, did you notice it's just like holographic laminate that they put down? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. It's like trapper well, like a smoke machine put down with a smoke machine, and then we have the ice skaters going around, and then we also have dino stuff, and then we also have blue, orange, green lighting here. There, yeah, it, there's there was random, some... sh- there's random shapes, there's lasers. There was uh, something going on at the at the museum. There was some sort of event going on, if I'm not mistaken. Sure, sure. I hope you can explain <laughs> the other lighting choices that I'm going to point out in this freaking thing. This is also where the hilarity of the bat gadgets comes into like a physical. Oh my god. Form. Yeah, that has always been made fun of for having bat gadgets. This one, they have a ridiculous amount of specific bat gadgets. Bat hand warmers, bat hand uh, butt plugs, bat <laughs> I don't know what else. Like they, they got a bat everything. It's very Adam West's like this <laughs> yeah. one specific hurdle we have to get over. I have a very specific bat gadget for it. It's like it's a Swiss Army knife, and I'm here for it. I don't understand how Mr. Freeze gets away because he does the what killed the dinosaurs, the Ice Age. And then he freezes the the lap bronchi- Brachiosaurus. Mm-hmm. Yes, I got it right. The Brachiosaurus. And then it like breaks and everybody just clears the room because why? Because the dinosaur is going to come crashing on them. Sure. I also have to say we get more bat ass because Robin somehow slingshots <gasps> himself across yes! the way. And the it's cape my- swoops and you just see Crystal. I mean, I'm sure it was a Crystal Dawn. I'm sure it was a stunt double, but you just see Robin's ass coming towards you. Beautiful cape. I wish this movie was 3D. God, I wish this movie was 3D. <laughs> <laughs> but this is where we get, and this is where I, I wanted to get to uh, where the movie's long and this is why it's long. Because we get these action fight sequences that go on for like 
10 minutes mm-hmm. so this is the first one and and it's kind of warranted because it's our introduction to our first villain mr freeze and mm-hmm. so and, and it kind of story sets up what it's going to be like to quote unquote battle him throughout the movie so i don't mind it but the movie's littered with it it just goes from like quips and one-liners to the next fight scene quips and one-liners to the next fight scene that's exactly what this movie is. That is exactly what this movie is. Inside, Freeze spells out his plans for Batman's death, as well as the death of thousands of Gotham citizens. Freeze makes his exit before the ship gets too high. As he exits, Robin makes his way in and helps Batman escape and essentially saves the city in the process. In their fall from grace, they manage to ca- catch up with Freeze and chase him into the Goth- into Gotham until he freezes Robin after he makes a foolish move. Freeze makes a getaway because the Bat can't leave Bird Boy behind. If you also weren't aware of what type of movie you're running, you were maybe hoping maybe this will get better. It doesn't. And then it explodes. And then they use the doors of the ship to surf down mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. batarang themselves down. This movie's great, people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So they're essentially like air surfing on yep. a broken emergency door mm-hmm. down into the city of Gotham. And then they end up like, and then somehow. I think they still land on their feet, right? Because as Freeze is landing, he uses his... <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe we're explaining this. Because as well, because Freeze is landing... Freeze landing, he's using his huge gun to like... I think it was a, a, a furnace that he froze over. Yeah, because Robin says, he's freezing the furnace. Gotham is like an OSHA hazard. Gotham just has... <laughs> I don't know, because I want to talk about these amazing miniatures. These miniatures of this city no. are... Read. I love them. I love them. No, but the architecture I agree. makes no sense. Because at one point, when they have that, they have their they have the jungle party. The building is literally. It looks like it's floating. Wow. It it's on its own bridged island. What? This is choice. Like we said in the beginning, this is all style. And like almost no substance. Like it doesn't have to make sense because it's logic just stylistic. Yeah, yeah. Logic does not happen here. We cut to South America, where Dr. Pamela Isley is mourning the failure of another plant-slash-animal hybrid. She heads downstairs to the laboratory, where she hears her colleague, Dr. Woodrow, laughing maniacally. When she makes her way to the main room, she sees the doctor putting on a demonstration of his newest creation to potential clients. His new creation is Bane, a convict from death row whom he pumps full of Isley's venom samples from her snakes. After he's pumped full of Dr. Woodrow's elixir, he's an ideal killing machine. When the doctor tries to show off for his buyers, he loses control of Bane, and he and Dr. Isley escape from the laboratory. Dr. Woodrow tries to rope in Pamela on his plans for world domination, to which she wants no part of. When she rejects him, he pushes her into her chemist set, and it renders her unconscious. The chemicals and toxins burn a grave for her deep into the Earth's soil. This is our iconic introduction to the iconic Dr. Pamela Isley, a.k.a. Poison. Poison Ivy. I, Uma, knows. Uma knows the assignment. It's not just her acting. It's her physicality. It's the camp. It's the mm-hmm. drama, mama. Mm-hmm. I wrote this in my notes. Everyone else is in a Saturday morning cartoon. Uma's on a Shakespeare stage. She gives <laughs> everything, and I love She's it. Shakespeare a la, uh, like, John Waters slash Divine, because it's so campy. 
It's it's exactly what it is. That is exactly what it is. Because her death, first of two, both of her deaths don't make sense. And I'll bring it up later. But the first time, this death doesn't make sense to me. I don't know no. what happens to her. He just throws liquid on her and then she sinks into this and then she sinks into the earth. And then she's the earth's baby mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then she's reborn, which we'll get to. I, I agree. It doesn't make sense. You're going to keep doing this, bitch. And nothing in this movie makes sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. I do just have to mention one thing, and I sprinkled about it earlier, is that this movie does such a disservice to Bane's character. He's one of Batman's most cunning, frightening villains due to his intellect and his sheer strength. He's the one that broke Batman's back. He was the one that convoluted all of these plans. He is an amazing evil genius. But in this movie, he shrunk to being like he's a, a henchman. Side, he's a side bumbling character. And it's just, it, I get it though. I understand why. It's because this movie is stuffed. Stuffed with characters. And liberties were taken on a lot of these characters. But I wish I could have seen Bane's character in Joel Schumacher's version. That would be fucking cool. He would have just been some hot, big like no. leather daddy <laughs> bane was definitely boiled down in this version like boiled boiled down mm-hmm. and uh i would have preferred the bane the i would have preferred the bane from harley quinn the cartoon sure anyone please watch it please watch that show it is my favorite <laughs> it is amazing we cut back to the Batcave where Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson are getting the 411 on freeze. His wife contracted McGregor's disease and he put her in a coma until he finds a cure. One day when working, he falls into a vat of liquid that is 50 degrees below zero and survives, which turns him into Mr. Freeze and now requiring him to wear a cooling suit powered by diamonds. They make a plan to lure Freeze into a trap using diamonds from the Wayne collection. So I just want to mention, there's nothing really to break down here, except for the security footage that they show of Arnold kissing his wife. Mr. Freeze's transformation. Arnold kissing his wife. Well, we're not there yet. Uh, the the laboratory oh. like shot of him turning into Mr. Freeze. My favorite is just Arnold. You can hear it and there's no sound. It's just him going, <laughs> What the fuck does that mean? That sounded like Sarah Paulson. I know. <laughs> We get these like outrageous shots that would never appear in security footage, but sure, whatever. I love it. I love it. The camp is to a thousand. But back in South America, Dr. Widrow has sold Bane to the highest bidder over the phone when Dr. Isley makes her triumphant return as poison, poison ivy. He's infatuated with the newly sexualized and erotic doctor. She lures him in with a proposed change of heart and lips full of venom. She literally kisses him to death before setting the lab ablaze. Before the last beaker is thrown, she sees the Wayne Enterprises logo and gets an idea. She and Bane make their way to Gotham City. This is the reveal. The reveal of the, of our like young queer lives. Yay! This reveal is amazing. First of all, as you can tell, they shot this in reverse, but it's cool. Um, but she arises from the grave, all entangled in vines, with her shredded clothes, looking all sexualized. And it's great. And she totally uses her like quote-unquote womanly wiles to lure the doctor in and then kiss him to death which i think is amazing i think it's amazing i think it's amazing the reveal you said yes is fantastic it's the purple lighting it's the wig change it's the smoke it's the costume change 
I think the drama really it's the drama because Uma gives it everything because her Pamela is super frantic it's totally that nerdy girl turns into a hot woman because when she comes back (laughs) her voice is different it's so sultry it's deep Mm -hmm. and it's sexy I love though that she comes out and he's like Pamela I also love because she goes into a freaking monologue and I would have wrote written it all down it, but she has multiples, but I There's love so many shows. monologues of this movie. It's a jungle in here. And then she starts like blazing and putting everything apart. She takes down the establishment. She's everything. She is the moment. She's look, she's crying. Do you hear her? Crying? Uh, her mon- so there are very, there's a lot of monologues in this movie. Let's just say that now. There's so many monologues and spelling out of evil plans. It's great. Uh, but this monologue I love because. Uh, uh, essentially poison ivy now goes on to state how her rebirth occurred and they replaced her skin with with aloe something with some some chlorophyll and then filled my lips with the venom it's such a wicked way to kill people it's such a way to be like i'm sexual with a purpose and i'm reclaiming my sexuality it's so gay it's so theatrical it's feminine as fuck and i think that's why i love poison ivy just she's so she's such a womana she is that bitch but she's also like that el toxica and that girl calls it out later so we'll get to it later we will we will we are now at the abandoned snowy cones ice cream company otherwise known as mr freeze's lair inside his goons are forced to sing the mr Wintermiser song <laughs> he's got a side piece who attempt who attempts to make a move but he says he's got a passion for his wife mm, talk about your cold shoulder <laughs> he then calls over his head goon frosty and proceeds to spell out his plan for domination of gotham because it wouldn't be a batman movie without the villain telling someone all of their plans it's such a cartoon movie. It's such a cartoon movie. It's such a cartoon shtick. Okay. I need to talk about the costumes in this movie because everybody <gasps> turns looks. Everybody yes. turns yes. looks. Yes. Including yes. Mr. Yes. Freeze. Yes. Yes. He has including multiple outfits. Bane. Including Bane. Bane turns looks. Okay. Vivica A. Fox's character is literally here for two seconds. And I love her in this. I love her in this mm-hmm. as Miss Behaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her hair is wicked. Her makeup is amazing. But I also have to talk about Mr. Freeze's like Q Hefner Playboy Bunny goes <laughs> to like an ice cream parlor. It's everything with polar, polar bear, bear slippers. slippers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's the polar bear slippers for me. They're so cute. I want a pair. It's adorable. I love this layer, but I always have this question. How did you afford this layer? How did you afford these goons? Are you paying them? Do they have dental? Is there a 401k? Like... How are you, why are they following you blindly? You just seem like an asshole boss. I think they're following blindly in the hopes that when he does take over Gotham, that they'll be on his good side and and they'll be like, you know, the higher ups rather than just goons. Um, But I love this lair. I love these looks. I love misbehaving. I love her little like monologue as she comes over. live. These costumes are amazing. The costume designer has to be noted because bitch, Every single look is amazing. Drag Race wishes. <laughs> oh my God. We also have to talk about Mr. Freeze's wife and her essential like water tomb that he's created. I love 
the visual of his wife floating in this tube, I think it's mm-hmm. so striking. It is beautiful because it's the only time in the movie where it's plain, it's simple, but the simple, effective, and quiet. And quiet. It's amazing. But I also have to bring in the music, the orchestration, because then you start getting this mm-hmm. choir of like this music swelling with his evil plans. It's great. It's no, no. It's- like, <laughs> I agree. The, the image of his wife floating in the tank of water is very ghostly, but angelic. Um, It's great. It's a great, this movie. She's also turning look. She's in a gorgeous gown. With this snowflake necklace. Elsa could never. (laughs) I I don't, like we said before, this movie is just a lot of style. So like Mm -hmm. when it's good, it's good. Like this scene with um, Lady Freeze, it's, it's beautiful. Back at Wayne Manor, Alfred misses the doorbell and it's his dear, dear niece, Barbara, visiting on holiday from Oxford Academy's new computer science program. Alfred is apprehensive about her staying with them due to their secret identities. But Bruce says she's family and Robin is trying to get it in. Later that, <laughs> later that night, she comes to her uncle Alfred's room to talk him into bed when she catches him trying to track down his brother, who's also a butler. She kisses him goodnight and sneaks out into the night. Listen, Alfred comes from a long line of butlers. His it's brother a thing, though. is a butler to someone in India. Um, and you know, I didn't realize it. Spoiler alert. I didn't realize it until this watch around that the reason why he was searching for his brother is because he's sick and he knew he was going to die. So he wanted somebody to come and be a butler for Bruce Wayne to continue the secret or whatever. I didn't, I didn't realize that, that. I didn't realize that either. This movie... I feel like the only time this movie takes itself seriously is with this Alfred storyline moment. And yeah. I am, and I am just gonna lay the cards out now. I have the biggest sweet spot for Alfred. Alfred, for me, for some reason, in every iteration, even the f- Michael Caine iteration with, in Batman Begins, mm-hmm. I love Alfred. He's such a wonderful character, and he's so usually overlooked. And I think Alfred is extremely important. And in in this one, I it feels really mean sometimes like Bruce expects this giant ass mansion and a little old brittle Alfred is going to be the one to do everything. Like it's a lot, but I have to, I have to talk about the awkward Barbara in the room. I'm not mad that she's here. Okay. I love that girl, but Barbara is supposed to be Barbara Gordon commissioner Gordon's daughter which adds a whole level and weight to her character and this creation of her suddenly being alfred's like niece niece, great niece throws it off and i don't like it only because alicia silverstone doesn't understand that if you're from london you need to have an accent she's a british woman who doesn't have an accent (laughs) thank you thank you because when richard and i were watching it i was like she's on holiday from Oxford. And I was like, Alfred's got an accent. Oxford is in England. I was like, why does she not have an accent? Was she born here in the States and then her parents died? So they send her overseas to go to Oxford. Like, I don't understand why you don't have an accent, but I'm also glad that she didn't try an accent because if she would have tried, she probably would have failed miserably. Which is probably why they did it. Because apparently (laughs) Schumacher had stated Alicia was the her, the only pick for Barbara. That was the only person he had in mind. Same thing with Mr. Freeze. Schwarzenegger was the only person. Oh. I don't, I, I have a feeling that like, they're like, she is British. 
they gave it to Alicia because they really wanted her. And then they saw her do her British accent. They're like, nope, fuck, cut it. Do your- Cut it. She totally paused. <laughs> no, do your stupid Jack one. It's so blooming odd to stay away. <laughs> oh, Alfred, me uncle, I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, mm, no, we'll give you a different storyline. Don't try the accent. The only other thing that I want to talk about, besides the heck that I don't like this Barbara, I think Alicia Silverstone honestly could really be a great Barbara Gordon. I think Alicia still probably could have been fun. That's it. That's all I got for that. She could have been fun. I don't. I no, think, I don't no? agree with that. Do you not like no. her? No, I do not like her as Batgirl. I think she was like one, like one ring below George Clooney on falling flat on the line delivery. I can see that. Yeah, I didn't really care for her. All tea, all shade. Because I don't get me wrong. I am an Alicia Silverstone fan. I love her share in Clueless, mm-hmm. but as Batgirl, it, she was not the tea for me. No, no. I can understand. The only other thing that I want to talk about, Alfred's a hacker now. Because like uh, in this movie, Alfred has so much computer-related stuff. Yes. It is ridiculous. I don't buy it for a single second, sis. I don't buy it either. Not a single second. Alfred no. in his downtime took computer classes at Arizona <laughs> State University. <laughs> ASU? No. He homeboy can't even make it to the door when on the first ring. I fail to believe that he's a fucking hacker. But like I said, this movie stretches everything, bitch. Everything. The next day at the Gotham Observatory, Bruce Wayne is donating a new telescope to the citizens of Gotham. A poison ivy in disguise crashes a press junket in an effort to get him to save the planet rather than look at the stars. After everyone laughs at her and her ideas, Bruce invites her to the Save the Rainforest Ball with special guests Batman and Robin. She accepts and makes a plan to exterminate the fur and feathered pests and Gotham will be hers for the greening. I love it. I'm here for Poison Ivy. I don't give a f- I don't give a flying fuck about George Clooney. Multiple times no. in this watching, when I was writing notes, I kept forgetting to write Bruce Wayne. I kept writing George Clooney because this just feels like George Clooney. This does, does. not feel like Bruce. It nope. does not feel like Bruce Wayne. There was no characterization. All tea, all shade. George Clooney brought nothing to the role. Not a goddamn. He couldn't. He delivered the lines. That was it. He, no, he mm-hmm. didn't deliver them. He said the lines. That was it. Mm-hmm. And like we said before, maybe it was because. And, and I'm sorry. Like maybe it was because he was working seven days a week. Like I'm sorry. That was probably really stressful and mm-hmm. chaotic and difficult. But you should not have taken on a huge project like Batman and Robin while doing a huge project. Like, like a fucking year. series, yeah. Th- this scene, honestly, I, I as a kid, I remember just being like, when does Poison Ivy get here? I know she gets here. I know she's <laughs> about to be here. Where is she? Because I don't care about his love interest. I don't oh, no. care about the situation at hand. I know that we're talking about the observatory so we can have a plot line later on for our finale piece, but it's such a 90s concept of like super satellites and we're going to supercharge <laughs> yes. them to be able to see things. Like, this was it. hot off Terminator. You can totally tell. Oh my God, you can totally tell. Oh, this is where 
at least of, I get like our first instance of the miniatures, bitch, because we get these cool sweeping Amazing. shots of Gotham and then up the like big observatory that has this huge statue like holding the observatory. These sets and miniatures are amazing and there's only one instance that i can really obviously tell it's a miniature and it's later on in the movie because this one kind of this one fooled me a lot and even if the one that doesn't look as good didn't fool you the drama the imagery the Mm -hmm. cinematic scope of these sets are just astounding i love these miniatures thank you for pointing them out because a lot of them are also super homoerotic. It's like Greek statues of like hot bodies holding up certain portions of the building. Yeah. It's just like Joel's like, you know what? More nipples. The buildings need nipples. The buildings <laughs> need nipples. <laughs> also, sorry, another just account uh, for my monologue counter. Poison Ivy does another monologue and she does it out in the open when everyone's still there with cameras and taking pictures. She's still like, I'm going to kill Batman and Robin. <laughs> and <laughs> You know, there's just like one person standing over there with the camera, like, who are you talking to? (laughs) (laughs) Back in his lair, Freeze gets word of the trap that Batman has set for him at the same ball. Freeze falls for the trap. At the Save the Rainforest ball, they are auctioning off women like it's that scene from Pirates of the Caribbean. The auctioning is cut short when a person in a giant gorilla costume makes their way to the center stage and begins an erotic dance they strip off the costume and it's poison ivy in her final form she intoxicates the audience and batman and robin with her pheromone dust after a bidding battle between the duo freeze crashes the party and steals the diamonds right off of ivy's neck considering her dust doesn't work on the cold blooded freeze takes his stolen goods and makes his exit ivy is in awe of freeze and how he handled the whole situation back on the streets of gotham batman and robin are chasing freeze and his goons when the chase becomes too risky batman tells robin to stay back when he doesn't listen batman remotely disables his motorbike and batman proceeds to capture freeze and he's sent to arkham so we're at the ball honey are you ready for the ball Oh my a god. Ball. A ball, honey. A ball. I cannot overstate how many times I rewatched this scene. A ridiculous amount of times as a kid. I love the setting. This party is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I don't like the auction now as an adult. It makes me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I do love that each girl is called an the orchid flower. or a lily and their outfit looks like it. it's so too Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie. Yes! At the end of the movie. It's great. This gorilla, gorilla. <sighs> this gorilla strip scene is so iconic to me. The costuming underneath, the nails, the gorilla eyes when she's like stripping. Ooh, creepy. It freaks me out. The music, how it gets all <gasps> sultry and jazzy. And then her blowing her toxins on the playground. That was my go-to move anytime my friends and I were playing Batman. I'm like, oh I'm my Ivy. God. I'm Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking queer. <laughs> the music goes up. Everyone, what is what is it like to know that everyone wants to fuck you? Like she knows, she knows. I'll it. never know. I don't know it, but she, <laughs> no, she is the moment. She is. <laughs> she is the moment. And okay. then, and then, no, no, I'm not done. And oh my then, god. And then she uses men as a platform, as a carpet. As oh steps. yes. 
Yes. Sexy, hot, bulging men. Oiled up men. Oiled men in loincloths. And she just steps on their back with her heels. In stilettos. Bitch, bitch, this is the ultimate queer feminist moment. This is the peak of cinema. This is the scene that started <laughs> movies. Okay. Shut up. Okay. Look, her I'm first done. talkie. <laughs> I'm done. I'm d- Are you I, done? Can I talk I'm, now? Are you I'm done not, gushing? I'm, that's just that scene. Because I still have more th- I have more things Jesus to just like literally Christ. just over on the scene. But go well, ahead. Well, just to piggyback off the gushing, this is a great set. Huge. Mass. Huge. Big, Big. Um, <laughs> This is just great. This set, this set is huge. It looks like a huge nightclub. There's people swinging on vines. There's dancers. People in gorilla suits. There's a like people are smoking host. indoors. That's when you know it's a good party. People are allowed to smoke indoors. There's two hosts, one of which is a very campy... Gossip Getty. Oh, yeah, Gossip Getty. Come on, guys. Show some gusto. <laughs> <laughs> She's so campy. I live. It's a lot. I love it, though. I love it. She she most definitely like matches the energy of the room because this is very much meant to be a lot of shit going on. And I think this is part of the reason why it was able to keep our attention as kids, aside from the fact that it's very homoerotic. I think that because there was so much going on, like like you said, everywhere you look, there was something to see. The screen is filled, honey, whether it's with lighting or extras or like set dressing or sets, there's something to see. And so this is one of those instances where there's just something to see. Not to mention, I... Poison Ivy, Poison Ivy, Uma Thurman, and this iconic, iconic reveal, if you will, because she pulled the stunt. She pulled the page, honey. She pulled she, the page, bitch. She turned off the lights on this stage and said, refocus. Literally, because she was auctioning off these other bitches to which a uh, like very like sticky Texas oil tycoon was bidding the highest money on people. This is when Poison Ivy makes her big reveal. Focuses on her, bitch. On me. We get the big shtick, and when she finally makes it to the stage, that's when they go. And you are poison. Poison Ivy. Amazing. Iconic. And then she steals the auction. And then she gets Batman and Robin to fight over her. This is why I still <gasps> loved this. Sh- I, As a child, I didn't understand the sexual implications of everything going on in this scene because she goes on to say, Why not send Junior home early? I've got some wild oats to sow. On the other hand, youth does have its advantages. Forget the geriatric bath. Come me. I have a garden that needs tending. This is Uma Thurman and those are the moves. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yes, this is our, (laughs) yes. That is very much that for us. Very much that. I love it because then Batman and Robin, this is like the first time in like, hit like cinema Batman history that Batman and Robin are like, they're clashing and they're fighting over a woman and it's 1 million, 2 million. You don't have the money. I'll borrow it from you. 4 million, 5 million. And they keep going up and then... This is where we hit, I want to say peak camp at this oh, point. Yeah. And oh, we're yeah. not even at the halfway point of the movie. And we're hitting peak camp value when Batman a, busts out what? The bat credit card. The bat credit card. And I paused it 
It doesn't have an expiration date. It's a master card. And Got it's placement. Platinum. I love it. I love it. It's so stupid. It is so yes. stupid. This is cinema. If Doc Brown ever pulled up in front of my house with a DeLorean, I would jump in and tell him to take me back to 1997 when this movie came out so I could go see it in movie theaters and see how many people left when Batman whipped out the bat card. And you also get the ching when he <laughs> It's so campy and delicious. I love, I love it. And then immediately, chill. Arnold Schwarzenegger makes his appearance. Did we talk about it yet? No, we haven't talked about it yet. Okay. So free, because there's so much to dissect in the scene. There's so much to dissect because we get my favorite line, one of my favorite lines from Mr. Freeze. It's all right, everybody. Chill. <laughs> this movie is so amazingly bad. We go into another fight scene and the only real thing to take away from it, besides the fact that it's like ridiculous, is that Poison Ivy is getting washed on all of this. Yeah. All of it. And when he goes over to her, Mr. Freeze finally makes his way over. Well, look at you, let me guess. Plant girl, vine lady, turn over the diamond garden gal, or I'll turn you into mulch. Like, I'm so glad you mentioned it because I wrote down the exact same line because it's, I'm a sucker for puns and like wordplay. And this is just like peak campy dad joke wordplay innuendos I live, bitch. Mm, that shit is good. <laughs> and it's the smooth jazz that plays anytime someone like looks up Poison Ivy. It's like the It's a saxophone. <laughs> Come on, Kenny G. It's great. I love this. I love this. And then it goes into a, this chase scene that lasts really quickly. The only other thing that I love about it is that why does it take place on the statue's arm? It's like this like yeah, this it's so random. sexual bicep that they drive on and I don't get why Batman decides to shut off Robin's engine I'm like that's more dangerous than letting him jump he's got the bat thing you got yeah. the little batter you're called a bat he can fly <laughs> fool like what do you well he's a Robin but he, Batman's a bat I agree but this is they just needed to play more into that I don't trust you thing and this so you know you get the moment where like, I, I, I'm i like, oh, ooh. When he does the, ah. Oh, I know. Ooh. When Chris O'Donnell gets all mad, I'm like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I'll sit down. I'll sit down. My, my butthole went. <laughs> <laughs> and then what I don't like about this scene is Freeze's capture because it's so corny. Anticlimactic. And, and anticlimactic. You had this whole epic fight showdown going off of a statue's arm flying over buildings and then all you see is freeze like laid out on the floor and Pat, like it's a cool reveal because batman's like is over him and he goes like the and reveals you know freeze on the floor but it was very anticlimactic i agree back in the bat cave batman and robin have a fight about trust and robin storms out bruce seeks advice from alfred and they have a cheesy heart to heart it's just the girls fighting the only other thing you get out of it is my favorite line of batman the girls asking, are fighting the girls, the are, girls fighting. Oh. are fighting back in the garage dick catches barb sneaking one of the motorcycles back in after a night of joyriding and then she awkwardly runs away it's totally anna ferris in scary movie <laughs> <laughs> it was all the sexual tension between her and chris o'donnell who wouldn't have sexual tension with chris o'donnell we are at Arkham Asylum where Mr. Freeze is being put into his new cell. It looks just like any other cell except for a cold zone above his bed where frosty cold air is being pumped in. 
In Gotham, Ivy and Bane are looking for a new place to call home. They come across an abandoned Turkish bath. After taking care of the current tenants, they redecorate. Bane breaks some pipes and floor, and Ivy unleashes her plant babies. And voila, you have a lair fit for a plant queen. She and Bane make plans to break freeze out of Arkham as he's proved useful to Ivy. So I love this scene with Ivy and Bane looking for their new lair. And when they break in to the lair, we get another, um, like, first of all, the lair is already inhabited by these dope looking, I don't even know what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be some sort of gang. It's almost like the Lost Boys, but like Mm -hmm. on a neon acid trip because they have this dope, neon skull skull paint on with contacts and it's all uv lit so it really pops it's all brightly lit it's so cool it's so cool it's so gorgeous i'm glad that you mentioned the uv lighting because they even thought about it with ivy's costume ivy's costume Mm -hmm. holy fuck the looks baby the looks yes (laughs) my heart can't handle all of these looks she has a hooded look that is beautiful and it glitters but when she's under the uv lights it reveals ivy leaves on the pattern of the mm-hmm. cape it's sick there's glitter it's wonderful i love the renovation scene it's so gay what gay doesn't love a reno story like ah uh, hello i mean look at Wong fu thank you she's iconic she knew what kind of movie she was in she really did she played she played up every second that she got she did not let a single line go by i love mm-hmm. when uma is like this theatrical but i want to mention Alfred and Bruce's talk, because it is literally the whole theme of the movie within this conversation. I just want to touch up on it really quick because I think the dialogue is the strongest that it is in the whole con- the whole script. This is the only uh-huh. moment. It's when Bruce asks, Alfred, am I pig-headed? It always, it, is it always my way or the highway? And Alfred reads this bitch the house down boots. <laughs> Why, yes, actually. Death and chance stole your parents, but rather than becoming a victim, you have done everything in your power to control the fates. For what is Batman if not an effort to master the chaos that sweeps our world? An attempt to control death itself. Where was this? <laughs> <laughs> Where was it's, this? Why did this insightful piece just come out of nowhere? I re- This is what I mean by like the... Alfred's moments are the emotional beats of this movie. It's the only emotional beats in this movie. And Mm -hmm. this is a moment where it's strong. And unfortunately, this is kind of the peak of that. Because Alfred's story after this is just kind of like... I'm dying. It's supposed to add height, but it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. 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 Back at Wayne Manor, Bruce and Dick are still obsessing over Ivy. And Dick catches Barb trying to steal a bike from the garage again. This time, he follows her. He follows her to a bike race where he ends up saving her life. And when he questions her about why she's doing what she's doing, she explains that she's doing it to pay back her uncle Alfred to free him from his life of servitude for the Waynes. She explains that he's sick. And from the shadows, Bruce says, No, Alfred's dying. Back at Arkham, Mr. Freeze passes the time by sculpting his wife's lifeless body out of ice. Oh my God. is that too much (laughs) it's staying in it's staying in Uh, um he gets a surprise (laughs) visit from his sister poison ivy sister daughter (laughs) she she killed don't ever say that again she kills the guards at his door and bane delivers his sue a dry cleaning service that delivers <laughs> the trio MacGyver the way out of Arkham and escape into the night. Oh, 
Okay, let's talk about Barbara's main use and her the reason why she's here is mm-hmm. essentially to reveal all of this to the whole group. I like this aspect of Barbara showing Bruce and uh, Dick that you guys don't really realize that like Alfred's a sweet old man and you guys just kind of don't, you just take for granted what Alfred has done for both of you. And it's so awkward because this scene's emotional weight, this is what I mean by like it peaked with that conversation and then it dips because Dick's and Bruce's response is literally, I can't believe it. I know. And then it cuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this movie has no emotional beats other than the one with Alfred. And that's it. It's it's all style, girl. It's all style. It is all style. And this is also the instance where I get what you mean by Alicia not being able to like deliver because mm-hmm. when she gets interrupted by by Robin I'm just gonna keep saying Robin because saying dick is funny unless I'm putting it in my mouth so the, <laughs> her line delivery and her like revealing like she's this badass the verbatim and it's literally how she delivers it Robin asks how long have you been racing? Since my parents died I guess all the speed and danger helped me take me out of myself make the pain go away you wouldn't understand. <laughs> and, uh, and she just, for me, she doesn't deliver. Sorry, girl. Does, she doesn't. Not, I can see. It's not giving me instance, that, girl. I can see why. But when she dons the suit, for me, I live. It's no, so queer. Not for me. And I'll bring it up later on. My, that's my point. That's fine. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. You're allowed to have wrong opinions. <laughs> uh, let's talk about his grand escape. Poison Ivy comes in again. Again, she's pissing all over these bitches with these looks. She comes in with her cone heads and her sleek green. And the thing that I love the most is her green gloves that look like she can light a match. And the the gloves have uh, like painted nails on them, bitch. I live. This is a great scene. I love her breaking out freeze and the I I propose a pairing. I love when she comes in and she proposes her pairing because she saw that Freeze can get what he wants. Yeah. And clearly she doesn't really have the muscle power aside from Bane. So she needs another like big goon to help her take over because her and Bane isn't enough. So I love this pairing of the two. Me too. Because honestly, this is also when we search one liner, one liner, another liner, another liner. Because when yeah. Uma and Arnold are in the room together, I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's, and then we, it literally is one-liners. When they escape is the best, best, best line. When they break open the wall and they're about to jump. While I get my diamonds, you and Meatloaf retrieve my wife. You never said anything about a wife. <laughs> Tell me that's not every queer after they hook up, show up to their grinder date and they see it's like a, some There's Mary a car man. rolling up right now. And they're like, <laughs> get out the window. You didn't say anything about a wife. <laughs> I, I dig it. I love when they're together because when they continue their interactions together, it's gold, honey. It's gold. It's comedic, unintentioned gold. <laughs> yes. Batman and Robin get wind of Freeze's escape and head to his lair where Commissioner Gordon has footage of Ivy and Bane breaking him out, as well as photos of them sneaking into the country, which I love. It's so Casablanca and she's just got a coat on and like a mm-hmm. scarf. I want it as a postcard. If someone can find it, send it to me. 
Ivy is able to lure the duo into the sublevel where Bane tries to his best to kill them. Freeze makes it to his lair where he takes Bax's freeze ray and diamonds to power his suit. As Bane continues to fight Batman, Ivy tempts Robin with the thoughts of going solo and his own light signal in the air. Batman intervenes when she tries to kiss him and Robin goes all burrowy on Batman saying he's jealous that Ivy was going to kiss him and not her. The mist scuffle, Ivy and Bane make a getaway where Ivy pulls the plug on old Lady Freeze. Back at Ivy's lair, Freeze has made himself comfortable and asked where his wife is. Ivy breaks the news that the bat and bird killed his sleeping beauty, and the two make plans for world domination, starting with Gotham. Prepare for total domination. 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 They stole our routine. So this footage the footage is questionable in every aspect of this movie just some of the shots are just like this is not security footage this is clearly cinematography this is clearly the scene because it happens multiple times in this movie but I, I, I'm going to skip through the fight just to get to the part where Robin gets all broy on mm-hmm. Batman because of the pheromones. Yeah, that's the biggest takeaway from this. This is where Ivy's like feminine wild become too much of a caricature. And Batgirl mentions it later, like her using her feminine wilds and her mystique can be a detriment to like this idea of feminism. I, however, don't like to succumb to that subscription because I do think like every villain is like allowed to be as evil as they want to be. But this is where the point where like they took liberties with Ivy's powers because she has far more powers than they show her in this movie. All that she has in this movie is that she can kiss guys and make guys fall in love with her. That Mm -hmm. is it. But this is where we get more sexuality and it, it, she keeps ramping up the sexuality as the movie goes on because Batman falls and she goes, there's something about an anatomically correct rubber suit that sets fire to a girl's lips. And then when Bat turns the tables and almost gets her, she's like, I'm a lover, not a fighter. That's why every Poison Ivy action figure comes complete with him. It was Bane. It's, it's a... <sighs> I think it's a disservice to the character because she she's stronger than this. This is the part where I don't like Ivy, but she redeems me later on. Don't worry, honey. She comes back for the remix. (laughs) Electric Boogaloo. Oh, and then she lies. She lies to Mr. Freeze um, because she pulls uh, pulls a plug on Lady Freeze because she's never been good with competition. And then she does that. How evil. That's (laughs) sick and evil. That's sick and evil. She straight up killed this bitch and then lied to the, her new man that she's trying to get. She's a great villain. I love So that her. way he can kill her real nemesis, Batman Robin. So smart. She's so smart. So smart. She doesn't have to get her hands dirty. Besides killing Mr. Mrs. Frieza. Barely even that. She used her heel to accidentally kick like the plug out. Oops. Oh, Ooh. I tripped I on the su- plug. Oh. You shouldn't have put it on the floor. Oh my God. Did my fat ass knock that over? Oh, oh Oops. my God. Oops, my bad. Oh, wow. And then when they make their evil plans, essentially boils down to freeze, freezing the whole world, and mm-hmm. Ivy bringing out these new carnivorous plants that'll take mm-hmm. over the earth. And then we will be the only two people left. Yes, Adam. And evil. 
That was even too cheesy and corny for me. It's great. At Wayne Manor, Alfred has fallen ill with the same disease that is ailing Mrs. Freeze. Bruce and Dick continue to fight about Ivy, and Barb promises Alfred that she will fulfill his dying wish of tracking down his brother. Back at Gotham Observatory, Bruce is there for the dedication of his telescope when Ivy in disguise crashes the party and finesses the bat signal keys from Commissioner Gordon. She and Bane go and take down the bat signal while Freeze prepares to crash the party. Barb takes the CD-ROM Alfred gave her and tries to open the files on it. She finally figures out the password, and when she does, it unveils the Wayne family secrets. <sighs> so, remember how I said the Alfred line goes down from here? It kind of does. We're supposed to get this like heightened sense of like, oh no, now Alfred is sick with the same thing that took mr freeze's wife we need to be concerned but none of the characters seem concerned it's just like oh the help is sick who's gonna come in and take a shift it's like oh my god who's gonna clean the toilet <laughs> Jeez, i agree there's no real like heightened like sense of urgency or anything mm-hmm it's re- it's it really doesn't. And then the only thing that I kind of want to happen is what eventually does happen is that like I just get to the finale piece because this is kind of where it dips. We get the plan and now we're just like waiting for the grand finale piece, at yeah. least for me. Mm-hmm. I agree. That kind of does dip here because uh, she goes, she takes a CD. She's like, I am family. I can do this. And she, she pops open the CD case, which is quote unquote locked, pops in the CD-ROM and she, whatever she she tries to figure out the password ends up finding out the password i don't want to get into the details of it because it's stupid what no. i do want to get to well you can get to it but i do want to get to is when she finally figures out the password this like projection yes first of all this computer screen is projected onto her face and then secondly it's just like Oh, we're gonna show every bat vehicle and the bat. And all of what you know what it was. It was just all the sketches and mock-ups that all the the team did for the movie, and they no, just no, put, put it, it in on there. The computer. No, 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 uh-huh. put it in there. And it was the opening title sequence. The opening title sequence was projected on her face. So are you telling yeah. me that Batman has this logo ready to go? Is this a screensaver? Because this, this <laughs> <laughs> it is. I want to talk about the password. I have to talk about the password. She's supposed to be a computer hacker, and Alfred is supposed to be in this version. Some computer genius. Computer is, She yeah. guesses England. And then she looks at the picture of her mom, by the way, which is a, a mess up on the movie's part. They look at the picture of the frame. There's nothing in the frame. They look at Alicia. They go back to the frame. All of a sudden, there's love peg in it. Like, there was, they used two different props when they were oh, using the Oh, did they? I didn't notice. Yes. And then the password is... Peg. Pegasus? Are you telling me that your sister was into pegging? <laughs> That was the real Wayne family secret. <laughs> they were into pegging. <laughs> I knew Bruce liked to take it up the butt. He was, that, why do you think George Clooney is like that? He's just holding it in the whole time. And <laughs> he gave such a frigid performance. <laughs> Later that night, Ivy lights up the Robin signal and Batman talks some sense into Robin. Back at the observatory, Freeze has taken over and hijacked their satellites and technology to turn Gotham into an ice cube. Barb has made her way into the Batcave where she's greeted by an AI version of her uncle, Alfred. He says he anticipated her arrival and has prepared something in her size. We get another suit up montage, but this time because it's a quality 
of some titties. Ooh, titties. titties. Robin follows his signal to Ivy's lair where she lures him into her human Venus trap and finally manages to kiss him on the lips. Only to her disappointment that he wore rubber lips. She angrily tosses him into the pond where he fights with vines and lily pads. After Batman tries to stop her, she ties him up with her own vines. Finally, Barbara bursts in, fully dressed to the nines, and her Batgirl regalia. She takes down Ivy and saves the boys, and the trio head out to stop Freeze. Okay, Mama, let's get to the best villain's lair ever, period. Stop. Don't go further. Don't collect cash. This is my favorite <laughs> lair. It's so gay. I live. Well, we, before we get there, the reason we get there is because Rob, she's... She's created Robin's signal. Robin's got his own. And she stole from Gordon. His own light. And then Batman's all of a I love he's like, it's not a Batman signal. It's a Robin light. And he's like, it's for Ivy. She loves me. And this is where Batman has to talk him out of it. And it's the pheromones. Yada, yada. But he and does then, give, we find this whole time we've been fighting and talking about that Bruce doesn't trust people. This is Bruce's final way of like, I am trusting you. But the way he gives the line kills me because i'm waiting for one more word at the end of that line he goes on to tell robin so i'm asking you friend partner brother do you trust me but i want to add in there so i'm asking you friend partner brother lover do you trust me (laughs) (laughs) do you trust me to peg me is what he was in our lineage Yeah, so we we do get that moment, and then this is when Robin makes his way to Poison Ivy's lair, where she, this is her version of a throne, bitch. She's in a a coy, like, lily pad pond, sitting in a human-sized, like, Venus trap with a beehive, bitch. The hair is up in a huge, like, almost... Almost Bram Stoker Dracula type hair. It's so hot. And oh yeah, the giant um like cuffs with the spikes that come out to like to here, this bustier leather pants. It is everything. And right off the bat, there's more sexual one-liners. Is your thumb the only part of you that's green? <laughs> and then he also asks her, I need a sign. She responds with, How about slippery when wet? <laughs> What they? Who is this movie for? I was not getting me. any of these it's jokes me. when I was a for child. Me, sis. I love all these lines. And then we get. I mentioned earlier Uma's physicality. She every inch mm-hmm. of her she is mm-hmm. portraying. Because anytime she goes in for a kiss, she did. Anytime she's trying to be sultry, she does the Nala from Lion King, like sultry. Not only that, she also uses her hands and and grips their faces when she gives a kiss. And we didn't even mention it earlier when she did her reveal at the Save the Rainforest Ball, when she's doing her little like reveal strip tease. Even when she's taking off the costume completely, she does this little hand gesture and she's just like everything, everything is thought out and theatrical and presentational. She uses, she's a villain. She's a villain. She's dramatic and she's using big gestures. So I love, my favorite part, and I think this is where you were heading to, is when she finally foils Robin and she dumps him in the pond, which is stupid, by the way, because he's literally fighting with like algae Vines. and lily pads, drowning in like three feet of water. That's boy wonder for you. 
But uh, anyways, she thinks she's foiled him and that's when Batman shows up. And I love when Batman shows up and she stops, she goes, <gasps> and puts her hands oh. up. Uh-huh. <sighs> My vines have a crush on you. And then he gets lifted up, ass up. Yes! <laughs> ass up, face down, yes! let me see it, sis. Cause that is exactly mm-hmm. what Ivy said. And mm-hmm. then she gives her best villain line of, Gotta go, so many people to kill, so little time. (laughs) (laughs) I live. She's my villain. She's my ultimate super villain. I love her. I love her as Poison Ivy. I love this Poison Ivy. Because then we get Batgirl's entrance. And Batgirl's first line is, you're about to become compost. That is how she delivers it too. Yes, that she is does. Exactly how Alicia. This delivers. is one of the times where I, uh, Alicia falls hella flat. And we get a cat fight. Who doesn't love a cat fight? Mm-hmm. I love a cat fight. But it, <laughs> you know it's not them because it's shot overhead, so you can't see their faces. Yes, yeah, it's dudes <laughs> in wigs. I love it. Yeah, but I love the, the like the escalation, like the thing that really threatens Batgirl is when Poison Ivy brings out a toothpick as a knife. And Batgirl audibly goes, oh, oh. It's, bitch, my pocket knife is bigger than that. But I love when Poison Ivy whips it out. She's like, oh. hmm. And she hmm. checks her hair in the reflection of the place. It's so, it's I want to so make sure great. when I stab you that my hair is perfect. Exactly. And then she gives our favorite line of the <sighs> I think, oh, hold up. Movie. You're selling it short. Because I think anybody who is a fan of this film this is their favorite line. As I told Lady Freeze when I pulled her pluck, this is a one-woman show. Oh my God, yeah. Y'all, when I say my little self turned up, I was, I I was Poison Ivy. I was like, she deserves this. She deserves this. She absolutely deserves this. I just don't get her death. I don't get her like foilment. I don't get how... She's overcome because all Batgirl does is kick her into the Venus flytrap that she was in and she yells, curses! And then she's eaten? Trapped, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't make sense because earlier it was her throne and she was relishing in it. And now it's her cursed death trap. She deserved better. She did did deserve so much She did. I think they probably ran out of money or time and they're just like, this is how you're foiled. And then when everybody, of course, Batman breaks through because he has a bat pager. And then Robin gets out because he finally understands you just need to stand up. This pole's not even like six feet, dude. <laughs> Batgirl steady at the ledge. Like, you know, you could just stand up. What are you doing? What are you doing? What am I doing? Hello? This is why Batman don't trust you. This is exactly why Batman don't trust you. This is why Superman works alone. It's a lot, but I just have to know. Alfred apparently made Robin's costume in Batman Forever, and he apparently made this one. He made Batgirls. Mm -hmm. Alfred is a hacker. He's a butler. He's an AI intelligent computer program, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he is the winner of Project Runway because these look... Is Alfred gay? She's an Oscar winner. She's an Oscar (laughs) winner. Is Alfred gay? Alfred's totally gay. He has a side gig that he makes looks for drag queens. He's like, you know what? We need more ass. Superheroes don't have enough ass. It was his idea to put nipples on the suit. By the time they reach Freeze, he has already turned Gotham into a block of ice. 
They make their way inside and formulate a plan to save Gotham using the satellites and redirecting sunlight from the other side of the world. As they begin to initiate their plan, Freeze and Bane try to stop them. We get our obligatory smackdown for the crown as each Cape Crusader <laughs> gets a whack at taking down the bad guy. Batgirl and Robin are successful at killing Bane and Batman finally manages to send Freeze over the edge. Batman is then finally able to finish the realignment and begin defrosting the city when Freeze unleashes Plan B and detonates all the bombs Bane had laid out earlier. The explosions send the telescope, Batman, and the two employees falling to their death. But of course, Batman manages to save them and catapult them back up to the observatory, even picking up Robin and Batgirl on his way back up. Back in the observatory, Batgirl puts her education from Oxford to the test, and she reprograms the computers to use the satellites to directly defrost Gotham. Her plan works, and the trio manages to save the citizens of Gotham yet again. This is our finale piece. We are gearing up. We got our bat heaters, bat heat guns, bat rangs, <laughs> bat dildos, bat vibrators, bat vehicles, bat sleds. Bat credit cards. Tonight's forecast, freeze is coming. This scene sticks out the most for me just because they spent so much money on this ice chasing. This chrome ice chasing. Because this is how you know it's a finale number because the bat looks are now chrome. They got serious. <laughs> I forgot. I was trying to just see me trying to recall what you're talking about. This is a scene where the three are driving on ice and like different bat vehicles. And okay, so Batman's like in the Batmobile. Batgirl's like on a cool motorbike. And then Robin's on like um what it reminds me of is like when you go to like the south and they take you on the swamps on those boats with a giant fan on it. Wheels? That's what yeah. it looks like. It's like a boat thing. The only reason why I feel like they put Alicia Silverstone in this gross bat helmet is because they needed to put a stuntman in there and they couldn't afford another wig. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> because it, it does look terrible on her, the bat like helmet thing. It, it looks, looks awful. It looks awful, honey. But we finally get to the observatory and we have a limited amount of time because if you don't defrost people within 11 minutes, they'll die forever, which was a thing mm -hmm. that I forgot to mention amongst the thousand of other things that is going on <laughs> in this goddamn movie. I want to talk about Bane's takedown real fast. All they did was unplug him and then he died. Bane deserved he better. He, des he deserved so much better. This movie did a serious disservice to Bane. I told you. See, thank you. And I'm glad you're at least on board with that one. This finale is, it's very quick. I think it's funny. None of it makes sense along with this movie. It's just yeah. another set piece. We're in just like a giant observatory and it's time to take down the bad guy. And all you do is a flip, a kick and a one-liner and it's done. Yeah. There's, not, there's nothing to take away from this finale. No. And <laughs> they are still flat on their deliveries. And this is the other instance where I, I have an, uh, an issue with Alicia Silverstone's performance because after freeze crashes the telescope down and blows everything up and they make their way back up and everything's crashed and broken and they think all hope is lost robin's like oh i guess we're going to do this upside down and alicia silverstone weeps or sorry batgirl whips out her computer smarts and is able to reprogram it so that way the computer is right side up and he's like oh you know a lot about this little girl watch and listen watch and learn little boy it's so cheesy and if her delivery is like so flat I can't. It is. This finale just feels like we're trying to wrap it up. We're trying to wrap it up. We're trying to wrap it up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Because Arnold Schwarzenegger gets taken down super fast. 
And then his character mm-hmm. is supposed to have some sort of redemption. Because Batman showcasing that he trusts people. Dr. Freeze, you have a chance to correct what you did. To be the man that your, that your wife married. Help me, please. And then all of a sudden, he pulls out some antifreeze out of his arm. And he's like, here's the, <laughs> Here is the cure. Take two and call me in the morning. Literally the line that he said. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and then it's just like, and then it, and that's it. That's that's like that's our finale because we do some concluding scenes after this. Batman finds Mr. Freeze beaten and broken, and oh, he says to him to take him back to Arkham. Freeze tells him to just kill him like he did his wife. Batman explains that he didn't kill Lady Freeze, and he plays video footage of Ivy stating our favorite line. As I told Lady Freeze when I pulled her back, this is a one-woman show. You need to leave. He screams out in anguish. Batman explains that she's still alive and can still be saved if Freeze continues his research. Freeze offers up the antidote for Alfred's stage of sickness, and Batman offers to move Freeze's wife to Arkham so Freeze can continue his work. Back at Arkham, Ivy meets her new cellmate, Mr. Freeze, and he tells her to prepare for winter. Back at Wayne Manor, they administer the antidote to Alfred and hope for the best. They wait all around all night until Alfred gets up magically the next morning. After proving they can save an entire city, the trio agree to become a team. We get a shot of them running out of the Batcave and our movie ends. How Woo! do you feel about Freeze's redemption? Quote, unquote. Because I feel like there's nothing. It's just like a tail end thing. Yeah, it's real quick. And I feel like it was just like, uh, we need to hurry and wrap this up. Uh-huh. We either needed to like kill freeze or he needs a you know some sort of redemption arc. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It felt very rushed. You can tell it's very rushed. I don't mind it. It does happen very quickly, but at least it wraps things up. And I love that he comes back sort of for his revenge on Ivy for them being cellmates or whatever. I thought that was fun because we get this really cool shot of Ivy essentially beaten and broken herself in Arkham, eating flower petals. And then we get the dope reveal of Mr. Freeze in the, coming from the shadows where his suit just lights up and he comes so up good. in the shadows and he tells you to prepare for winter. I don't like that they did that to Ivy. I wanted Ivy to have a better ending. I don't like that she was the strong commanding yeah. feminine energy and now she's broken and uh, Arkham needs to get their shit together. Where are y'all pairing people like this? Y'all should not be pairing people like this. I have a lot of things to say about that but whatever. We'll move <laughs> on. We'll move on. Alfred's magical healing and everything. That's like this ending is so fast. It's like, oh, we mm-hmm. found the antidote. Next morning he saved. Now we're a trio. Literally. Let's get ready for the sequel. I will say all of that, but I cannot take away. This is not the first time they've done this shot. This is like a go to in the Batman franchise during the series. Mm-hmm. I adore, adore this final shot. I love this final shot. It still gives my childhood, like, ah. <gasps> uh, like mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 such a great superhero movie. It, I agree for, because at this point it's been established as like an ending shot for this Batman iteration. Anyways, it's been established as like an ending uh, scene, which is great. I love it because the first one is just Batman, and then when we get Batman and Robin or Batman Forever, Batman or sorry, Robin join join so at good. the end, and then finally for this last iteration we get Bat Batgirl joining in on the fun, and so it's just like a great way to like bookend it. I do. I, I love it. It's we are finally here. Okay. It's been a journey. We are at the end of our movie. Finally, it is time to reveal our final scores. What are you going to give this week's rental? There's a lot to consider for this movie. And I feel 
I'm going to give my personal, obviously, own opinion of this movie because I'm a child of the 90s. This is my generation. This is my bread and butter. This is my sexual awakening. This is yeah. everything to me. This is how I grew up, which is why it was so shocking to me when I found out as an adult that everybody hates this movie. Um, but I love this movie. I understand why people don't love it. And I understand the, like, we've been sitting, me and you love this movie. We've been sitting here poking holes in everything. So it's a love-hate relationship but i i'm gonna buy it because i do buy it <laughs> i i buy the campiness i buy the costumes i buy the sets i buy ev- the drama i buy everything about this movie i love this installment in the batman franchise and i understand that it might not be everybody's cup of tea but it is my cup of tea i love this flavor of tea let me <laughs> slip that tea <sighs> I have no shame in it. I have no, no shame. I am going to buy the fuck out of this movie. <laughs> I recently watched it maybe two weeks ago because it is just a good movie to put on. It is a fun movie. It is a movie that never takes itself seriously. It is a movie that knows what it is. It is campy. It is delicious. It is a visual treat. It is extremely homoerotic. And Mm -hmm. was, in fact, the beginning of my sexual understanding realization. And I can't do anything but praise this movie, even if you don't like it. Because there's movies that are a fond place in everybody's hearts. And that's why I wanted to talk about it this week. I love that everybody was just as excited about this movie as we are. And I have a feeling this is going to be a very popular episode, no matter how long this episode is. This is so, so fun. (laughs) It better be a popular episode for how many times I've watched the fucking movie and rewatched these lot. corny one-liners. Everybody, just like a heads up, Ray has been in charge of all of our story beats for season two. They've been doing a fantastic job, but the Thank amount you. of times that Ray had to let me know, they're like, really? I had to watch this movie. <laughs> I had to watch this movie so many times. <laughs> it, doing the story beats takes a hot minute. So yes. mad props to you for doing the show, like the behind the scenes and story beats for all of the entire season one. Cause that's a lot of work, bitch. It's, it's been a lot. And thank you as the birthday bitch. I appreciate that. Thank you everybody <laughs> for celebrating with me for my birthday week it's been such a fun time i loved it i hope you guys had a great time i had a freaking fantastic time i've been telling ray that this is this is the one that i've been most excited for it's been such a blast but we have to talk about a schedule change that's going to be happening before we reveal our last episode of december we will be taking a two-week break after our Sleigh Bells month, and we will be returning with Ray's pick for their birthday month, but that will Mm. be revealed later. So our last flick in our Sleigh Bells month, and before we take a quick break, it is time for a wonderfully cozy and cheerful holiday film. Be sure you are on the nice list, gear up for family fights, and be ready to worship at the altar that is Tony Collette. We are talking 2015's Grampus. Oh, Michael Doherty, yes. We worship at the altar that is Michael Doherty. And Tony. I, and Tony. Oh, I'm so ready for this. Me and you love Krampus. And I. this is another one that people don't like. I don't know why. I don't know why. I, we'll I talk about why. it. <laughs> I, don't I think know. I know I why. Don't. I think I you know why. But we'll talk about it. Y'all, please, please, if y'all have not seen Krampus, Give it a chance. 
go into it blindly. Trust us. It's a fantastic family Christmas romp. But if you like what you hear, you can follow the dynamic Creeped Crusaders on our Instagram at the <laughs> Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter account is at Carpenter Queens. My personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography. Follow, it's my birthday, bitch. Ah, my personal account is at SCFU Ray. Follow, bitch, it's almost my birthday. <laughs> and that concludes this week's episode. Our very special birthday, fin- not finale, but birthday special for <laughs> Nick's big 2-9. Two 2-9. Nine? Two nine. Happy birthday, bitch. Y'all, please Thank leave you. Nick some love on his social media. Thank you. Stay safe, stay queer, and we will see you for a finale of Slay Bells. Oh, I'm going to slay, honey. Mm. Bye, everyone. Bye, 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 bye. bye, bye. bye, bye.